0: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Faster Masters Rowing Radio, where having a rowing coach only makes you better. Following a program gives you a true pathway to becoming a confident rower who's respected by your peers. You can become the athlete you want to row with. I'm Rebecca Caro, and this week I'm actually not joined by Marlene Royal. Marlene is doing a coaching course, and she isn't yet finished, which is uh, unfortunate for us. But uh, I get the delight of your company solo. As always, if you're watching the live stream, hello, welcome. Please join the conversation. Underneath the video, there's a comments box. You can write anything you want in there. And as a kickoff, it would be very nice to know where you are watching us from. While you're telling me that information, I want to thank hugely our podcast sponsors and supporters. We get so much help from you guys and girls who make a small monthly contribution to supporting the work that we do. Podcast support can be found on our website, fastermastersrowing.com forward slash podcast and donations start from one dollar a month. So if today you hear something that you think is useful or could be advantageous for your own rowing, I very much would love to have you join our podcast supporters who get some little extras, which uh, I'm not going to advertise because they know what they are. um, And we really enjoy hanging out with you guys. Have a look now at this marvellous photograph. So this is David Sebula sent this and it's his Portage Lakes Rowing Association Mixed 8. And I don't know if they're actually racing because although the coxswain has a 94 on the back, they're not actually all in the same uniforms. I slightly suspect uh, she's just got a 94 on her back. But great blade work and really nice to see such a diverse group of masters of different ages all in the same boat together. This past week, I have been to the South Island of New Zealand to take part in the South Island Masters Championships. It's obviously a a regatta event, but unlike uh, some of the other events that are held in this country, it has a blend of different things in it. It starts with a long distance race, which is different every year because a different club hosts. So the venue changes and the long distance race we did was eight and a half kilometers down the Tairi Gorge, which is the part of the Tairi River outside Dunedin that flows out to the ocean. It's a stunning place. We had to row eight and a half K just to get to the start. Then we had to turn around and race back. So it was a pretty long um, half day's activity. And what was so glorious about it was the weather played ball. And the organisers gave us really, really clear instructions. There was a really well-written sheet that you could download that explained pretty much everything, including some very humorous things, uh, such as how to um, understand how the racing numbers work. And the humorous bit was uh, a reflection where they said, and no, we have not timed this race so that you're racing on the incoming tide. You're going to be racing against the stream and the tide is also flowing out. Um, So uh, we appreciated knowing that in advance. What it did make me realise is that there's definitely a need for some better resources so that people who run events don't have to reinvent wheels. And I'm interested in finding out whether any of you guys row or live in areas where the Local Rowing Association has templated documents that you could copy and adapt. So things like this particular one for running a head race, it was just brilliant and so such high quality that it was remarkable so I just thought I'd put that out there um, and see whether or not this is a resource that maybe I don't know whether faster masters could provide it or whether other people might be interested in providing this as part of an organizational thing the second day's rowing was 1k we did some mixed racing we did some single sex racing and the The pool of athletes is slightly smaller in the South Island of New Zealand than the North Island, just because of population. And we had some really good races. They were again the weather was favourable. Lake waihola was beautiful. I got rather cold feet because we had to uh, wade out into the lake in order to get in our boats, and I kept getting my feet wet and then dry again, and then wet and then dry again. Um, but again. One of the things that really came home to me was the need to have an improved master's handicapping system. Uh, Races that aren't close are less exciting, both for the participants and for the watchers. And I had one fabulous quads race where we had, I think, three different age groups, all in the same event. It turned out to be reasonably close on the line, certainly for us in sort of second, third place, where we were ne- niv- and up with another crew most of the way down the course. Uh, but it would have been quite nice to have handicapped the crew that won who was younger so that, you know, they could have had a, um, a race to catch us up and we could have had to race to stay in front of them and things like that. So, uh, again, keen to work out how we can make this uh, work better for regatta organisers. Do they see any benefit in it? Do the participants see any benefit in it? Um, certainly, it was a fabulous weekend and hats off all round to the regatta organisers across the board. Um, I had a lovely time. Uh, but again, you know, we're always looking for how we can share the knowledge and how we can make things better for the future. This show is sponsored by the Faster Masters Rowing Individual Training Program. This is a program for athletes who race. And if you need a clear focus for every single practice using a tried and tested program that will prepare you for your best possible performance at the regatta, I commend this to you. If you know you want to race well this year, whether it's 1K or 5K, join the most successful master's training program and see the difference in your rowing Anne started on our program in January 2022 using her single skull and her club members were astonished when she won a club time trial eight weeks after starting on our program by May she had bagged a silver medal in the masters e-single at the state championships it was the first time that she'd won a medal And when we asked her what was the difference, she named four things. She's very driven. She likes the structure to self-organize. She follows the program without questioning. And more than that, she said, it proved very quickly that it works. When I asked Anne about her race, she said it was a thrilling race. My goal was just to stay in the pack. But she said, I overtook the pack. And obviously, walking away with a gold medal is, uh, sorry, a silver medal was just really exciting for her in that regatta. So, if you're a rower who races, go and have a look at fastermastersrowing.com forward slash join. And on that page, you'll find all the information about the individual program and what it gives you. I very much look forward to welcoming you with all of our other athletes now the theme that we've picked up today is about the athlete you want to row with unless you're a complete beginner we all know what it's like rowing with different people um it's a different experience pretty much every time one of the best ways of learning to row is to row with people who are better than yourself, more skillful or more experienced, uh, because you can copy by watching if you get to sit behind them, or you can talk to them, or you can listen to the things that they say in the outing. Um, you know, from as simple as through your warm up, when you're warming up, what do you do normally? And then what do they do normally? And an easy example is probably more experienced athletes will warm up using a square blade warm up and a less experienced athlete will probably tend to do a feathered blade warm up. Well, why is that? And asking why to yourself is a really good way to self-coach and self-educate. So why do more experienced athletes do square blades? Well, Firstly, probably because they can. They know they can row square blades and they can sit the boat level and it won't tip off. But also, it's all about whether or not they can use the warm up as part of their reinforcement of the technique. So how do you do that? Well, one of the things that makes the rowing stroke challenging is squaring and feathering it's a reasonably complex movement, and it can disrupt your rhythm. So if you can row square blades, there's one fewer things for you to have to worry about. And if you use a short slide progressive type warm up before you get to full slide, um, that's also a very good way of checking that you've got each step of the rowing stroke cycle accurate. So particularly in small boats, but also in large boats. If the whole crew is rowing up to get warming up together and they're all doing square blades, they're probably more skilled than if half of them are sitting in the boat and half of them are rowing square blades. And from my point of view, you know, if you can get to the whole row together slightly quicker, it's not that you warm up faster, it's just it takes less time than if you have to do half and half. So have a look at some of the athletes who you believe to be good examples of uh, trainers, racers, technicians. These are all different attributes of an athlete. And think to yourself, what is it that they do that I like? So who is the athlete that you aspire to be? And this is an important question, whether you're an Olympian or whether you're me uh, rowing, you know, in my local club um, and just enjoying myself. What are the things that the people you admire do or say or act? Now, in my professional life in marketing, we talk about an ideal customer. So what are the characteristics of this athlete? If you've got a moment, grab a pen and paper right now and start to think about the positive and the negative things that these people do. So let's think about some relatively straightforward things. The athlete shows up, they show up on time when they say they were going to, you know, this is all stuff that we can control. Uh, Do they do that? Is that an admirable quality in your mind? What about volunteering at the club? All clubs need volunteers to do different things at different times of year, you know, whether that's uh, washing the boat after the outing, or sweeping the boathouse floor, or volunteering at uh, cake sales, or to help at regattas, or for we call them working bees for working groups when you know you have some a project that you specifically want to do from a club committee point of view it's great if you have athletes who pay their membership dues on time getting your annual payment out or your recurring monthly payment renewed is great One, fewer things for your club treasurer to have to worry about. So that's an attribute that, regardless of your expertise in rowing, we can all aspire to do. And what about them as people? The people who smile and say hello. The people who are um, friendly. Um, We don't all have to be extroverts all the time to be friendly. A smile costs very little. Making eye contact, saying hello. I think these are all good attributes for building community. And let's move on now to the sorts of things that they do when they're on the water. I've already hinted about warm-ups. Being open-minded. Now, open-mindedness is a sometimes hard to do, but you may feel very strongly that you know better than somebody else. And I'm not going to dispute this does happen. And there are often lots of different ways of rowing. Marlene and I talk about this quite often. But it's also the case that being open to the the potential that there might be a different way of seeing things. And I'm very conscious here that different people... Uh, see the world differently and different people learn in different ways and so having an open mind to different ways of approaching something is quite interesting as a coach i often ask athletes for feedback and i'll often ask the question how did that feel what did you notice and I try to hear the actual words that people use. So I will feed back to them using their own words repeated. So you felt smoother. You felt that the boat was unbalanced. You felt that um, you were falling behind the person in front of you. Whatever it was that they said, So that the language of the discussion is orientated around them, not the way I choose to think about it. And that hopefully adds more meaning to them. They get more insight into what is being discussed because you're using the language of the terminology that they have um, started to use. So open mindedness is challenging in life, (laughs) Um, you know. There aren't always clear boundaries as to what is correct or incorrect. So I think open-mindedness is a really useful attribute in an athlete, particularly an athlete that wants to continue learning. Now, if you don't want to continue learning, again, that's a different state of mind. And that might be uh, the athlete that you aspire to be. And you then need to reflect on what does that mean? mean in terms of how you approach things i definitely like to row with people who give feedback that aren't just mutes in the boat the most experienced and the least experienced person in a crew can all contribute to answer the question how's it going what is you know the boat running like because I've definitely been, you know, in boats where, particularly, I'm thinking of of quads where, one end of the boat they say it's down on bow side, and the other end of the boat they say it's down on stroke side. It's like, well, that's interesting. What's happening to make us feel that? And how can we figure out a way of uh, testing whether this is accurate, and then resolving it? Now that's sort of in boat coaching, but the person who leads that discussion probably shouldn't give the first answer. They probably should wait for, you know, the rest of the crew to say their piece. And what is it that people say? And did you feel the same thing? And if you didn't feel it, why didn't you? Was it that you weren't paying attention to that, which, you know, is again, completely valid and say, I was just really focusing on my swearing and I didn't notice what you said. So You know, in the context of an individual outing when you're practicing in a crew, maybe the next thing you do is row off and everybody's thinking about the same thing and trying to work out whether or not it it was accurate for them. Um, So those sorts of um, techniques are ways that we can both self-coach, but also as a group, we can advance a common understanding. I. Was very fortunate when I was a student. I was briefly coached by Mike Spracklin, the legendary British coach who also coached the USA and the uh, Canadian men's eights to Olympic gold medals. And he did a very simple exercise with us on the land when he, we, he was asking us about our racing starts. And he said to the coxswain, What's your racing start? And she described it and then she said, and then I say stride. And then he turned, we were in a circle, and he turned to somebody and said, what does stride mean to you? And she said what she thought. And he then went round the circle and asked each of us to interpret that one word. And unsurprisingly, we ended up with a lot of different variations. And, you know... I'm now an experienced coach, so I know the tricks that coaches have. But he used this as a way of showing us that we weren't aligned completely and that there was potential for misunderstanding and miscomprehension in around this one word. In a racing start, it's important that you're all doing the same thing at the same time, not just in a racing start. And so he left us to have a discussion amongst ourselves about what we actually meant, so that that common unified comprehension and understanding was established. And of course, we went out and practiced it. And that common language is a really good thing for everyone to aspire to acquiring in your training group. Even if it's a crew lineup that you've never been in before, and maybe you will never be in again, within the context of one practice. Can you acquire a language that you all can align around and understand the same thing? And that helps us to judge improvement. So the athlete that you want to become maybe doesn't have to be a leader as such, but does need to have a state of mind of trying to understand the other people in the crew What it is that they are saying, feeling, doing, noticing, so that together you have this group, um, unified group feeling, that helps you enjoy it more. And you know, a lot of us row just because we like it. And if it isn't perfect from the first stroke, which very rarely is, what can we do about that? And what can we together make? Changes around that will help us all to feel that we all contributed to improving things, upskilling or adapting our own stroke to better blend with some of the others. So the athlete that we want to become probably asks for feedback before giving feedback what is it that we can say to each other in the breaks in our outing that can give confidence to the other people that you know their point of view will be heard and that you will try and act on what they see so somebody sitting behind you is uniquely positioned to see certain things so for example can they see you at the finish Ending the stroke, are you leaning backwards slightly? Can they see your hands moving away from the finish before your body rocks forward? These are things that I practice that everybody can practice. Even someone doing their very first lesson, learning to row, can practice this. And so asking the person behind you, hey, can you help? I'd like to know, am I doing this? And whether or not you frame that as something that you know that you have a tendency to do incorrectly or whether it's a confirmation that you are doing something correctly. So ask the question carefully. Um, And then you can have a chat about what should they say if they see you doing it or not doing it. And what do you want to know Um, Because, you know, a a quiet word from the person behind you, you can pretty much always hear them. It's not like you have to yell it and, uh, you know, have the whole boat know that that's something that uh, that you're personally working on. Although that is beneficial, perhaps at, at a different time. So this asking for feedback before we give it, I think, is a principle that I try to espouse because giving feedback can be perceived as criticism and that can put people's backs up and make them feel a little resentful or less open-minded to receiving something that may be objective Um, and so I think that those are things that as a group you can agree on the land as a general working style forever for everybody who's in your training group like here is here are some of the behaviours that we encourage and yeah here's how you can contribute to them because i think that bringing people into a group and making them feel valued one of the easiest ways of doing that is to ask their opinion and asking opinions you know helps people to feel that they're being heard and that what they say uh, contributes that matters It adds to the overall understanding of um, what's going on. So you might even just say something as simple as what are you personally working on and just run down the boat. What's everyone personally working on? Are there any overlaps? Okay, does that mean that perhaps as a crew we could all be doing this that, you know, several different people have mentioned? So the athlete you want to row with isn't just a physiological specimen who's been highly trained over many years and is extremely fit and athletic and skillful. I want people to come away from today thinking about the other softer attributes of athletes that they would like to row with so that you can start those behaviours yourself If you're in a group that you're all single scholars, you can still do this. I personally find having a a goal or an objective for uh, the outing is helpful before we even get on the water. What way, what circulation are we doing? Where are we rowing to? Where are we going to turn around? Is there a drill that we want to practice? You know, even if it's a group of, of single scholars or it's just you on your own deciding for yourself. Because making it up on the water, unless you want to do the exact same thing all the time, and, and there are people who, who do that, um, I'm not criticising that, but I think that changing it up and switching it up and then being able to say, well, at the end of the outing, did I do what I set out to do? And giving yourself maybe a quality score, you know, if I give myself points out of 10, you know, for doing that drill, The first time I did it, I scored myself at a six. And by the third time I did the same drill, I was up to a seven or an eight. I think all of these things are mindset approaches to our rowing training and our rowing practice and our acquisition of skill and enjoyment um, can all help us to be mindful and to reflect on the things that contribute to the fun that we have. Hey Gary, you've got a great observation here. Differences combined can create an open releasing row that truly elevates the row. Oh, yes. I totally subscribe to this. Elevate an outcome that is an elevated row that has achieved on whatever level that you want to judge it is great. And I think many people value openness. I think it's a challenging um, concept when you're working with kids and young people. It's maybe somewhat different than working with masters for the simple reason that many masters train alone without a coach. Generally, the coach is the instructor, the leader that we defer to and we wait for them to tell us what to do or what they see. Um, or what they want us to change. But within a crew, that openness can be an element of the crew bonding experience. If I count a successful row, if we can come off the water with people smiling and feeling a sense of achievement, um, and so combining your differences and blending the outcome, I definitely think is a very positive thing that gives me the purpose to come away with a feeling of optimism and a sense of progress Uh, in my own rowing practice through a year there are definitely times where I train more intensively and I train less intensively and what drives that might be a race that's coming up where I'm panicking that I haven't practiced in my singles so I definitely need to get out and do more practice or it might be life you know I have other obligations on my time Uh, that mean that I can't be out on the water training with the frequency perhaps that I might prefer. And so there are ebbs and flows just in my own personal approach to my training through a year that means that, say, I'm coming back into training having had a break of some sort. You know, how can I start gently? How can I come back into it without creating a situation where I'll be injured with me, I get blisters on my hands really, really easily, particularly if I haven't rowed for a period of time. So I can usually do one outing and it's fine. And then if I do another one a day later, I'll get blisters. So what do I do about that? And how do I become the mature athlete that paces my return into training and doesn't go crazy um, so that I end up injured, broken, dispirited? You know, your approach to life is... Uh, an easier path, I think, if you can be light-hearted and find small moments of joy, finding joy in what you're doing, than if you feel pressurized. And I think adults learn better in an environment of um, collegiality where we can talk to each other and listen and hear what other people say. You don't have to say something all the time, but Certainly when you've got a larger group of people, more than two, I like to get a little feedback from everybody. Even if what someone says is what they just said, I agree with, at least you know what they're thinking. And it's not an examination by any stretch of the imagination, but it is very much an opportunity to feel that you've been heard. And that your views matter and and, and contribute to the overall um, goodwill, good feeling vibe of, of that particular crew on that particular day. Yeah, smiles and grins after the row is great feedback, says Gary. Um, well put, thank you for that. I I, I genuinely believe that small incremental gains are the ways you can look at your own progress as an athlete and think who am I trying to become I mean it's probably not one individual no it's a blend of all these good things and why do we row whether we're a fitness rower or a racer or a coach or a coxswain why do we do it where do we get enjoyment and where do we want more of the fun things and fewer of the less fun things and what can we do as a process to get there? So process goals are things that coaches will often talk about. And I think these positive and negative attributes of the ideal athlete that you want to row with and how you can become the athlete. So kind of lead the change yourself is a good mental uh, skill practice, perhaps a mental practice. Uh, that I encourage people to bring to their own rowing and maybe discuss this with your friends if you're out there in the next week before we do another broadcast um, ask people what they think what's you know what's the ideal club athlete for this particular club what is it that they say and do that makes them the sort of person that you'd like to have in the boat with you and I would want to end just with a reflection on the fact that in master's groups, there are frequently extremely experienced athletes who rode in their youth, who've returned to rowing, as well as people who are learning as adults. And I think it's incumbent on leaders in the group to be as inclusive as possible, not to be ageist about things, and then not to be Experiencedist, which isn't a word but you know uh, to reflect on the experience of the people and how you can make rowing fun across those different skill and experience um, that people have had so the arc of experience and skill is great if we can move the average up then everybody gains and as leaders in your group You wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you weren't a leader in your group. What are the things that you might be able to take back to your club that will help them all have a better time when they come down to the rowing club to go rowing than they would have done if you hadn't made that small change? And that's what I hope this episode is going to lead to more people having small conversations or leading by example, and trying to think through becoming the athlete that you want to row with. Because nobody loves a bad outing. (laughs) We all have them. And the most we can do to avoid them, and to try and get the best out of the situation that we're in. I think that's a mindset thing that most people should be capable of achieving. And to have that capability, you need to first build your competence in the underlying attributes. So my challenge to myself and to you people who are watching and listening today, what can we do this week to become the athlete that we want to row with? As before, if there's been anything in this podcast that's been helpful to you, please consider joining our podcast sponsors, fastermastersrowing.com forward slash podcast so this has been faster masters rowing radio the show dedicated to masters athletes who want fun fitness and confidence in their rowing you can become a student of the sport by buying a faster masters rowing program subscription today at fastermastersrowing.com forward slash join and if you're not already on our newsletter list Just go to the website and find the newsletter. You get a summary of what we've talked about, plus all sorts of other news, ideas, pictures, and sometimes offers from other rowing companies. Till next time.